a tournament where all the better teams won. But the the quick thing of, that annoys me all day long, they've been saying boring tourney. It has not been boring. All the teams that have been playing well, and I, I disagree. I think it's going to make for a spectacular next two weekends. It's going to stink because Michigan's not in it. <laughs> quick thoughts from the Big Ten. Purdue and Michigan State have played very well. Yes, and those two are through by the ACC, and he has struggled in the SEC. Is out. All right, so we'll watch 24 tonight. So look forward to that yeah. tonight. And uh, Jeremy, can David Wright get a hit? Can David Wright get a hit? Jimmy Rollins gets four hits. You can't <laughs> drive him in once last night. I mean, you know, it's not enough to drive in the game-winning runs against Puerto Rico last week by no. himself. He's a broken toe. Best hitter in America. He is a true American. <laughs> Japan, Korea. Jack Bauer's a true American, but they want to arrest him. <laughs> All right, good job by Andrew, John, Jeremy, Narushi. I'm Rob. We'll talk to you Michigan Baseball tomorrow on MGooBlue.com and three DSRs throughout the week on Game of the Week. That's at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on Friday night. Till then, good night from Ann Arbor. right over the arms of KC Rivers. That's his second three-point basket of the game. Michigan plus six. Clemson has the ball, only down by nine points. And here's Andre Young. He's had the hot hand. It's consecutive threes in the last two Clemson trips. Narcisse to KC Rivers. Over Novak for three. It's good. Here comes Clemson within six. One of two. 62-59. David Merritt will come into the game. Defensive for C.J. Lee will go to the bench. 13.1 to go. Clemson down by three. They have the ball. Adamantes Stitt walks it across midcourt. Down to nine seconds. They rise at the sprint center. Here's Andre Young out high. Guarded by Sims. Off his screen, it's Rivers. Left side. Rivers in the quarter. Top contested three. No good at air ball. Rebound to Douglas. Ball game. In beeline, I trust. Michigan through to the round of 32. Final score, Michigan 62, Clemson 59. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And the Ann Arbor Film Festival moves in starting tomorrow. Highly recommended over there at the Michigan Theater. Some very interesting films, as always. Uh, we particularly recommend Wednesday night. Two really big shows Wednesday night. Uh, one is the film uh, involving uh, one of the guys from Negative Land. Name mm -hmm. slips my mind at the moment. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, that's at 7, I believe. Seven, yeah, in the main theater. And then later that night at 10, a uh, new film by uh, Craig Baldwin, um, who made... Uh, a, a, incredible film called Tribulation 99 yes. some years back that uh, some listeners may be aware of. One, one best film uh, that year, and uh, you just have to love the uh, the description of the movie. The, the movie is, is uh, I mean, the description is wonderful. And, of course, uh, a little bit upgrade matters is Allie. L. Ron Hubbard, NASA, and Aleister Crowley are woven into a conspiracy of epic proportions. And he'll be there, actually, after uh, to take questions and uh, do a Q&A session after the film. That's in the screening room, so, you know, the seats are a little more limited back there. So True. If you're if you're going to go, uh, you might want to get your ticket early. 
Well, uh, big local news today. The Ann Arbor News is uh, ceasing publication uh, in July. Yeah, this is, on one level, not a surprise, uh, but it's part of a trend. It's part of a trend nationwide, for sure. And uh, there's something about it that, I don't know, disturbing is maybe too strong of a word, but unsettling about the idea of a community losing its newspaper. Uh, Granted, the Ann Arbor News is not a very good newspaper. Well, it's Um, deteriorated in recent years. I thought it was much better um, as a newspaper several years ago when it had more content. Right. And uh, obviously the entire newspaper industry is going through um, meltdown, um, or to paraphrase Warren Buffett, it's fallen off a cliff. Hmm. And how ironic that the April 6th edition of the uh, Nation magazine uh, cover story is uh, the death and life of great American newspapers that goes into the uh, nationwide problem uh, with the newspapers. And Ann Arbor News, of course, is owned by Booth, which is a newspaper group. And this is affecting all sorts of other cities in Michigan. This isn't just going to be Ann Arbor. This is Oh, Flint, Kalamazoo, I think the Jackson... Jackson paper. Citizen Patriot is And then closing smaller uh, yeah. weekly papers. I, I don't, don't know if they're owned by the same uh, affiliate, but uh, Chelsea, Dexter, Celine, these have weekly uh, papers, and those are likely to cease publication in the very near future as well. And, of course, part of it is related to the Internet age, and obviously the Ann Arbor News is apparently going to be an online operation Apparently a bi-weekly. And I seem to recall that the Saturday Evening Post at one point was a bi-weekly hmm. uh, ma- magazine, you know, back in the 30s and right. 40s. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I'll just quote a brief uh, paragraph or two from this article by John oh. Nichols and Robert W. Uh, McChesney. Who well, they've was, written a number of books about uh, journalism. Yeah, and mm. they... Uh, uh, you know, the little bio highlight says the founders with Jim, or excuse me, Josh Silver of Free Press, mm-hmm. which has launched a campaign to save the news. Uh, their book, Saving Journalism, The Soul of Democracy, will be published by New Press in the fall. And they basically are making the fundamental argument that uh, the crisis of journalism of which we speak is more than mere economics. Journalism is collapsing and with it comes the most serious threat in our lifetime to self-government and the rule of law, as it's been understood here in the United States. The press, of course, is called the fourth estate. Uh, Thomas Jefferson has some brilliant quote. Well, he'd rather see a uh, free press. Um, I can't remember. It's, it's government versus the press. Right. I'd rather have... Uh, <laughs> The press without government than government, government without, without the, the press. press. Yeah. That's, that's a paraphrase of the famous quote that he made uh, as part of his participation in the Bill of Rights. Uh, and the First Amendment, of course, is the preeminent Bill of Rights in my book. It's, it's, it's what makes America great, at least in theory. <laughs> uh, it creates that separation of church and state. It creates that free press, and it allows the media— which, of course, you know, back in Jefferson's day, essentially was print. Mm-hmm. It was newspapers. Uh, there wasn't television, Internet, radio, et cetera. These are modern technologies. But, of course, the problem here um, 
it, it can be summed up by another paragraph later in the article. Uh, they write, as long as ago as the late 1980s and early 1990s, prominent journalists and editors like Jim Squires were quitting the field and discussed at contempt corporate management displayed towards journalism. Print advertising, which still accounts for the lion's share of newspaper revenue, declined gently as a percentage of all uh, ad spending from 1950 to 1990. As television grew in importance starting in 1990, well before the rise of the web, a competitor for ad dollars, newspaper ad revenues went into a sharp decline. 26% of all media advertising that year to what will likely be around 10% this year. And this is sort of at the heart of the financial problem. And, of course, they go into the details of uh, newspapers all over the country that are shutting down, noting that, for instance, Seattle apparently will be a city without newspapers soon. Well, the Detroit papers are going to go to a two-day-a-week yeah. printing schedule. This appears to be the uh, model. Uh, I guess the real sad thing about it is, you know, we rely on the local newspaper for local news. Right. And how do you dig this up? And uh, while the web can offer contributions... It's very uh, disturbing that, of course, they, they do almost no original reporting. They rely on secondary sources, as the saying goes, to basically come up with punditocracy. And one of the big problems is that uh, many of the print pundits now are TV pundits as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has created um, a little bit of... Uh, incestuousness that uh, it can be troubling and problematic. We certainly know that the media, as, they, uh, as these critics point out, the news media blew the coverage of the Iraq invasion, spoon-feeding us lies, masquerading as fact-checked verities. They missed the past decade of corporate scandals. They cheered on the housing bubble and genuflected before the financial sector and the gilded ages levels of wealth and inequality as it blasted debt and speculation far beyond what the real economy could sustain. Today, there are almost no investigation into where the trillions of public dollars being spent by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury are going, but not a spare moment to update us on the Octomon. They trade in trivia and reduce everything to spin, even matters of life and death. And... Uh, you know, it's interesting. We've seen just in this past week, uh, just as a symbolic example of how out of touch with reality people are, this pitchfork populism over the AIG bonuses. <clears throat> Obviously, the bonuses are indefensible. Uh, Mario Cuomo's son, uh, Andrew Cuomo, I think is the attorney general of New York today. He reported late today that there were actually voluntarily givebacks occurring. Uh, we'll see how that transpires and perhaps this... Uh, bill of Attainder-related <laughs> uh, bill that went through Congress rather quickly last week maybe can be stopped in its tracks. Um, but I compare the outrage over this um, AIG bonus situation to the complete silence over $1.2 trillion of Pentagon money missing and unaccounted for from the 1980s. Yeah. Those are different numbers. Rather. And this is one of the problems. America is a culture of numerology, not numeracy. <laughs> and uh, we give the public a brain damage award for not supporting newspapers 
and continuing to believe that uh, they can get all of their spoon-fed information from the Internet, because I think the Internet is problematic in and of itself. Well, there's a number of related problems with the Internet, and I think in general that the print medium at large is in decline. Yeah. Um, of course, there are still books that sell very well, but uh, and you know literacy levels are, are fairly stable and uh, consistently solid relative to the rest of the uh, industrial world here in the states. But the you know, and we live in a college town, so we're surrounded with literacy and have a high number of bookstores per capita and so forth. But uh, generally speaking, people don't read like they once did. Uh, you mentioned the Saturday Evening Post. That was a very popular, hugely popular journal in the United States where people would read short stories and news summaries and recipes and all sorts of things. My mother used to subscribe to a half a dozen magazines, mm -hmm. and uh, people just don't subscribe to as many things anymore no. as they once did. And as far as the Internet is concerned, uh, it's a question of who has access. Now, if you don't have the Internet at home or don't even have a computer... You can go to the library, I suppose, where people have always gone to read newspapers and so forth. But the assumption that, oh, well, it's accessible because it's on the Internet is very misleading because many Americans do not have that in their homes. Well, and also let's remember the brilliant movie Being John Malkovich, which goes into the discussion as a concept in the movie. I thought a brilliant movie when it came out, sort of a cult classic in my book about the portal mm -hmm. showing where you end up yeah, if you punch in that search engine or whatever. And then, of course, there are all sorts of disturbing aspects of what's going on with the Internet as we speak. Uh, tons of people's uh, personal information is being downloaded and hacked. Credit card financial data is being probed by... Unknown Hungarians. <laughs> Nigerian princes. Kaiser Soze. <laughs> well, the other thing, and this... The HAL 9000. Right. We have no idea where some of this information goes or where it ends up. And it's quite troubling. Um, obviously, you, you would think that a city like Ann Arbor, somebody may take up the mantle here and start some sort of... Um, newspaper here in town even just a, a weekly community update you know you know it's rather amazing i grew up in a college town in ohio that is boy it's probably 120th the size of ann arbor and it's got two newspapers of course one's a non-profit and of course the the non-profit model as we've seen with uh the the problems that this uh, preeminent bookstore here in town shame and drum which uh we will not hesitate to plug because it's in financial struggles and it's being reorganized under a nonprofit model as many many uh, uh private businesses are as we speak i mean we're we're looking at a incredible uh, almost cataclysmic change in the economy uh that's that's sort of happening underneath our feet there's kind of a rumbling earthquake that continues to rumble and uh, how the dust settles is still a, a little bit of anybody's guess. And it's unfortunate that all of the hyperbole about the AIG bonuses last week seemed to have sort of allowed the sixth year anniversary of the Iraq invasion to sort of mm. fade into the kind of this back pages of the newspaper at some level. Um, fascinating. And uh, I 
do agree with you that the Ann Arbor News has declined in recent years. I seem to remember that it was owned by McClatchy. I could be wrong on that, but I'm going to have to check that, that out. Might go back further into the. I'm uh, sure that they'll 80s. have some uh, reportage uh, tomorrow. Uh, today's Ann Arbor News had nothing of this uh, <laughs> of the demise of the Ann Arbor News. Uh, probably didn't have time to make it to the right. It was press in the online <laughs> edition. Well, one so, other thing is, I look at the table in front of us here. Is you know the. the clippings that yeah. you and I bring to the show each week from the various newspapers and magazines and so forth that we read. We like tactile. There's a tactile experience here that, and with so many things, stores, you know, you go into a Borders, for example, and uh, looking to buy something that they don't have. And as often as not, they'll tell you, rather than volunteering to order it for you through the store, they'll say, oh, just, you know, order it on the internet. Um, but there's something about going into a local shop and supporting a local business and uh, having the tactile experience of flipping through the racks or pulling the book off and flipping through it. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, oh, well, don't complain so much. You could print off the articles in the online editions that you want to have if you need the tactile thing to keep in your file and your records. But, um, well, then you get into additional costs, and uh, printer and toner cartridges and all these things cost money, whereas you buy the paper, you've, you know, you've bought the thing, and it's uh, pretty cheap, and you cut out what you want, and you recycle the rest, or yeah. use it to line the birdcage, or do children's art projects with. So I don't know what third-grade teachers will do without uh, extra newspapers to uh, do paper mache with, but then to get on the little bit more paranoid conspiracy theory. And as, as just a quick joke, where would Appalachia, how would it have survived without the Sears catalog? <laughs> Indeed. So there's the tactile is, is vital there. Uh, but uh, we needn't probe that no, image any further. No further. It is the dinner hour. But uh, so if we're going to rely on the Internet for our all of our records, all of our uh, chronicles, uh, well, then there's a couple of problems here. You know, if I've got a hard copy here in my file, uh, I can go to it whenever I need to. Uh, who's to say that things on the uh, Internet won't be changed or, hey, this erased. article's gone, erased. Yeah, <laughs> this was a big news story, and now I can't find it anywhere in the day that it was originally Shredded. distributed or public, <laughs> down the memory hole. Yes. And when the power goes out, when you don't, when your server fails, your computer crashes, you got nothing. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems with relying exclusively on the Internet. And don't get me wrong, neither of us are Luddites, uh, certainly. But uh, it's a mistake to put all your eggs in one basket. And uh, having everything on the Internet, I think, is a little treacherous. Yeah, and it's interesting, by the way, that some of the great writers and intellectuals of the history of the world got started writing for newspapers. Mm -hmm. I'll just mention Karl Marx and Mark Twain, two different characters. Yeah. But um, um, I think that this is a very troubling uh, development, and uh, I don't know if Shaman Drum can, can organize a community newspaper as part of their reorganization, huh. uh, grand, grandiose plan under a nonprofit schemata, but uh, let's hope so. Um, Robert Kaiser, who, by the way, has a new book out, um, that I'll talk about in upcoming weeks about the uh, the lobbying power and and how it's uh, polluted Washington. 
uh, has an interesting quote. He says, a great news organization is difficult to build and tragically easy to disassemble. And, of course, needless to say that part of some of the problems with these newspaper, uh, the demise of the newspaper, is this sort of obsessive nonsense about quarterly profits and mm. responsiveness only to the board of directors, which, as we've seen in, in corporate America, is often uh, quite out to lunch uh, in terms of understanding what's actually going on in the kitchen. <laughs> and... Uh, Yes, uh, Dick Cheney seems to have been out of the room when the gun went off, <laughs> to uh, quote W.H. Auden. <laughs> uh, and it, it seems that uh, many uh, of uh, Americans are uh, out of the room while the guns keep going off. So, not a good development. And, uh, y you know, we just... Uh, I guess we'll wait and see what happens. Well, I see you've got a clipping on this one, too. Uh, I guess uh, Pope Benedict XVI is uh, ripe for a brain damage oh, award, yes. too. Uh, in Africa, which, by the way, I think the Catholic Church grievously erred in even naming Benedict uh, as Pope, the smart move would have been to choose a Pope from where the Church is actually growing, namely Africa or Latin America. And... Uh, they didn't quite have the uh, courage to, to make that move, choosing an elderly German pope who uh, looks something like a vampire uh, when you photograph him in a certain light. Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he actually has the audacity to go to Africa and suggest that condoms are no solution to HIV, that only abstinence yeah. will save us all from this dread menace. Incredible. Uh, and, of course, that uh, is in perfect agreement with uh, much of the religious right Protestant here in America, as, as well as some elements of the Catholic Church. Yep. It's uh, complete nonsense. And, uh, well, he gets a brain damage award for even uttering such stupidity. Also of note, uh, and this is another one that... Uh, really should be a, a more important story than it's been treated as, but uh, recent elections in El Salvador mm -hmm. uh, have, uh, I think, uh, been very interesting. And this headline from the St. Patrick's Day edition of the Financial Times shows you the, the legacy of the troubled history of the relations between the United States and uh, that very small Central American country. The article by Adam Thompson is uh, headlined, Washington loses El Salvador ally as left clinches election win. I'm not sure to what extent the arena party's you know, firm grip on the desperately bleak economy of El Salvador um, has served as a useful and fruitful ally. Yeah. Um, the article goes on to say that the result marks the first time the left-wing FMLN for Bundu Marti National Liberation Front has won a presidential uh, vote since a 1992 peace accord brought to an end 12 years of civil war that cost 75,000 lives. Uh, what the article doesn't say is that most of those deaths are attributable to the death squads run by the Arena Party. And and supported 
by and large, by the American government. Uh, these are not the allies we <laughs> like to have because they do us no good. Right. There's a number of uh, mass graves uh, linked to the uh, the 14 families who, who run that country uh, and have so poorly treated uh, their own uh, citizens. The article goes on to note uh, the result, remove Central America's last openly right-wing government and Washington's most trusted ally in the region. Um, well, once again, confusion about the word ally. Uh, El Salvador has never, while on paper it may have been an ally, instead what it's actually been is a tremendous liability. Um, and an embarrassment. An embarrassment. I don't know what the actual statistic is, but somehow the number one out of seven sticks out in my mind, that one out of seven El Salvadorians live in the United States yeah. as a result of the precise socioeconomic oligarchalism, if that's a word, but the oligarchies that run that society, the incredible poorly uh, um, public services that they have, mm -hmm. the l complete lack of opportunities for rural um, people, uh, they fled to the United States, yep. and they're part of the immigration problem here in America. Um, so much for winning the Cold War, <laughs> Mr. Reagan. Uh, we'll give him a brain damage award because... Uh, once again, it seems that one of our previous uh, people, the you know, entities that we were trying to overthrow, has assumed power uh, in the uh, infamous concept of blowback. Right, and of course, uh, the problems in Afghanistan continue to fester. Uh, the six-year anniversary of the Iraq War has come and passed. Um, cost of the Iraq War, according to the uh, noted section of the April 6th edition of The Nation. Staggering stuff. Cost of the war allocated, according to the National Priorities uh, Project, $656 billion of American money. Documented civilian deaths between 91,000 and 99,000, according to Iraq body count. Estimated deaths due to the U.S. invasion... One million three hundred and twenty thousand just foreign policy dot org based on data from the Iraq body count and a 2006 Lancet study. Iraqi civilians killed in 2009, 346, including 11 children. U.S. casualties, uh, 4,259 with 31,000 wounded in action. Those are staggering numbers. Uh, U.S. Uh, troops deployed in Iraq since 2003, 513,000. Deployed more than once, 197,000. Deployed three times or more. Good Lord. 53,000. And, of course, we've seen uh, Secretary of Defense Robert Gates uh, recently uh, call attention to the problematic nature of the so-called stop-loss policy of rummy, you big dummy, George Bush, Dick Cheney, and the whole motley crew of previously <laughs> so-called neocons, neoconservatives that ran our paleocons is what Ellen Ginsburg used to call them. U.S. soldiers who committed suicide in January of 2009, as many as 24, the highest monthly total since the Army started keeping records in 1980. Iraqi unemployment, 18% for men 15 to 29, 28%. 
Uh, Iraqi uh, female labor participation, 17%. Journalists killed in Iraq, 138. Estimated number of Iraqis displaced since 2003, 5 million. Nearly 20% of the population. Iraq prison population, 15,100 in a U.S. custody, 35,000 in Iraqi custody, and hours of electricity per day, 13.3 hours of electricity per day. Uh, that's courtesy of the April 6th edition of The Nation magazine. Mission accomplished, Yeah, you, according to... Uh, that's what we paid for. George the uh, third. Bush. Who's gone lecture tour, by the way. Yeah. Uh, getting uh, upwards of uh, 100, 150,000 per speaking engagement. I can't imagine who in their right mind would think he's worth a fifth of that as a speaker's fee. I mean, to quote the British, he's not worth a farthing. <laughs> he's not worth a tuppence. And a farthing, by the way, is a quarter of a cent. Right. So perhaps uh, oh. now the British were very clever. They used to throw around farthings to the poor. They were the biggest coin made of copper. Yeah. <laughs> made well, those poor people feel really rich. Yeah, the British monetary system is a nightmare in and of itself. Uh, who knows what will happen there. But uh, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The show is Gray Matters, and looks like we have a few minutes, even though it is top of the hour. Yazoo yeah, City Calling. We'll uh, be getting ready shortly. Big boom today on Wall Street. Um, this is remarkable. Up I a just, couple hundred. Uh, well, just, you know, the financial spiders were up 16% today. The, the spiders are basically a collection of the financial entities that, of course, greeted the uh, recent announcement of the uh, Geithner slash Obama plan to create a sort of public partner, public-private partnership. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, by the way, this money is not new money it's basically coming out of the previously appropriated tarp um i think that it is worthy by the way of attempting some experimentation with this program but to believe that this is uh, going to solve any of these problems uh, that america has with so-called toxic assets is uh, is ludicrous and i recommend uh, paul krugman's uh, column in today's new york times uh, he, by the way, appeared on some uh, media this afternoon uh, criticizing the overall concept. But I wanted to point out that, once again, we're using this phrase toxic assets to confuse people what is really going on here. Hmm. These are essentially non-performing loans and or overvalued assets or outright liabilities. Um, think of the nuclear arms buildup uh, during the Cold War. Uh, that the United States government spent somewhere between nine and ten trillion dollars involved in wonderful uh, appropriation of money. No telling what we could what we could be doing with nine or ten trillion dollars these days. Uh, Ronald Reagan, who of course uh, dwelled back in Hollywood and worked for General Electric and the Warner Brothers Corporation, as sort of a spokesman, thought his taxes were too high back in the fifties because indeed they were. Uh, he was a wealthy man, and the government had to pay for that defense buildup that uh, coincided with the creation of the national security state right. in 1947. The Truman-Eisenhower-Cold War, uh, massive retaliation, mutually assured destruction, the unbelievable, just absolutely insane <laughs> policies 
that were developed by uh, Herman Kahn and Dr. Strangelove, <laughs> Henry Kissinger. And the dreaded Dulles brothers. The Dulles brothers, and you name it. Um, so don't be confused about what toxic assets are. And, of course, there are 